go into Boston and take three of four from the Boston Red Sox. And this series actually happened to be two doubleheaders the way it worked out, where game one gets rained out. So then Tuesday they had a uh, split doubleheader. Then Wednesday, what would have been game three, that gets rained out as well. So then today, they again had a split doubleheader. The Yankees won both games of the first set, and they split the uh, today's set. So the Yankees, who had been dominated by the Red Sox this season going in, they were 1-8 versus the Red Sox. They come out of it. Uh, 3-1 and one here, and they finished the season 4-9 versus the Red Sox, and now they are tied with Boston. Technically, Boston's ahead because they have that advantage head-to-head. So, um, they're, they're, the Yankees are 74-73. and 73. So, for me, it, I, it, I've i become, it's like indifference as far as whether the Yankees win or lose. They're in no man's land, you know, in terms of... Uh, Rooting for them, it's not, you know, they're not making the playoffs. Like, they're not eliminated yet, but they're not going to make it with 15 games left. And it just doesn't appear as if, like, you know, they're just, they are winning games. They have won, I think, 12 of the last 17. So it's just, they are playing out the string and they are playing okay in spots. So it kind of just is what it is, right? It kind of depends. What do you prefer? Do you prefer them to finish over 500 and, and also to not finish in last place? Or would you prefer? them to finish under 500 and finish in last place. I think both are, I can understand both uh, preferences on both sides. And and I'm, I guess, somewhat torn. I I think I'd lean on, again, I've said all along, the the problem is I don't think anything is, in fact, I know that Brian Cashman, he's not, no, he's going nowhere. So it's kind of pointless. But I always felt like the worse they do, the better in terms of just optically and whatever else. But it's just not playing out that way. So again, We'll, we'll, we'll stop that conversation there, but the Yankees, you know, like I said, they take three or four. A lot of, um, you know, follow-up-wise, injuries to discuss, right? So, last we had spoke after the Brewers series, J- uh, Jason Dominguez, of course, tears his UCL, and he will be undergoing Tommy John surgery or some form, uh, and the timeline seems to be about nine to ten months. So, figure, roughly... I'd say at earliest he's back, maybe Memorial Day next year. And at latest, probably, I don't know, uh, July, August. Like I think the range of outcomes are kind of wide here. But I would say he comes back somewhere in the middle of next season. And, and how will that look? Right? I mean, again, because as good as he was, he's, he's still, you know, what, 20 years old. And obviously he impressed. And I don't know. Like, I, I guess... Where does it go from here with Dominguez? I think the future is bright there, and I'm excited about what we saw, but I don't even know if he's necessarily penciled into a center field spot. I think there's a lot of variables here. So again, very unfortunate because he was one of the big, big rooting points uh, for this season the rest of the way. So as I kind of suspected might be the case, Esteban Florial finally gets the call this season. He technically did make the opening day roster and then quickly was designated for a sign right after that. So Florial had a really nice AAA season, uh, is back with the club, and, and it seems like he is going to get regular playing time. And I thought in this four-game series was fine. Again, he's never really done that well offensively with the big club. That's always been his big issue. And again, he you know he uh, could have been worse, I guess. You know There, there were some impressive hits. Uh, you see the speed, you know, it's funny. I've never been blown away by him as a center fielder. Like, I feel like it should impress me more. I see the speed, but just in terms of tracking the ball and instinctually, like, I'm not like totally impressed by that, but that's here nor there. 
So that happened. Then, Jonathan Loisaga's season is over. Loisaga placed on the 15-day IL with right elbow inflammation. It doesn't sound like it's going to be anything... Like, I don't know if we've ruled... If anything's been ruled out. But it does sound like it's something that isn't overly concerning. But with where they are in the season, I think they're just going to shut it down. Um, so, you know, I'll let you know if we hear anything new there. But for Loisaga, when healthy... Did look pretty strong, um, and we know he can be a force out of the pen, but yet uh, injuries have been an issue with him um, in recent years. In recent years, they have been. I, I want to say the last two to three, I, I guess the last two seasons, uh, he's had injury-riddled years. So what happens here is Zach McAllister, really nice story. Zach McAllister gets called up and actually appeared in a couple of games in this series. McAllister was drafted by the Yankees in 2006. So that was the same class as like Ian Kennedy and Dylan Batances and um, a couple other like memorable names there. Uh, maybe Andrew Brackman, but I could be making that one up. But like it was a, I don't, I don't think, Phil, I think Phil Hughes was a little bit earlier than that. But yeah, you know, I think it was, it was Chamberlain, Kennedy, and again, uh, uh, oh, I guess I didn't say Chamberlain the first time. I think it was Chamberlain, Kennedy, Batanzas, maybe a, a few other notable names. So Zach McAllister got traded to Cleveland for Austin Kearns in like about, I think, 2010. And then McAllister was on the then Indians for a while, like from 2010 to maybe 17, and made his last major league appearance with the Tigers in 2018. So he was out of baseball for about five or so years. And final, and you know, he's in his mid-30s right now. Really nice story for a guy who was drafted by the Yankees a long time ago. So he had that. Then Luke Weaver uh, was claimed off waivers from the Seattle Mariners. And in order to do that, uh, Nestor Cortez was transferred to the 60-day L. So that officially ends his season. We kind of knew that was the case. But Nestor uh, is now out for the season officially, and what ends, uh, of course, a very frustrating year for him after an amazing season and a half, uh, 21 and 22. Um, but yeah, Luke Weaver is a guy who, there was promise for Luke Weaver. He was involved in the Paul Goldschmidt deal going from the Cardinals to the Diamondbacks and showed glimpses with the Diamondbacks, but this year he was on the Reds and the Mariners, and he's been a starter. And I wonder, we'll talk about the Pirate Series. I wonder if there's a chance that he might start on Saturday. Uh, it's listed as TBD right now, and I don't know if they're necessarily going to go the Brito-Vasquez route. Uh, they could. They, they theoretically could, but maybe they do go Luke Weaver. I don't know. But but he is, so not only was he claimed, but Matt Bowman, that's another great story. Matt Bowman, who uh, hadn't pitched the major since 2019, he appeared in a couple of games of series. He actually got sent down after game one of the doubleheader today. So ten, game three of the series, Luke Weaver got added to the roster. So that's catching up with all of the, the roster moves. And I'm sure, you know, in the last two and a half weeks, we're going to see some more juggling and, you know, really specifically when it comes to the pitching, probably with the relievers. So, yeah, I, I'm trying to think of anything that stands out for me before we jump into this for this series. Not, not really. Uh, I mean, we'll, we'll go through it. Um, yeah, the Red Sox, they, you know, the interesting thing about them is they fired Heim Bloom uh, before today's doubleheader. And, and it has Yankee fans kind of thinking, well, not not to say that Heim Bloom had a crazy amount of success with the Red Sox. He had been there since 2020, and it wasn't all his fault. I mean, the owner, they, they kind of had to, you know, cut down, you know, as far as salary was concerned. And 
I think that was part of the reason why Mookie Betts was traded and David Price was included in the deal. And so I kind of like some of the moves that they've made, to be honest with you. They're not going to make the playoffs this year, but I like some of these additions with Yoshida, Justin Turner, who I know is an older guy, but uh, Tristan Casa seems like he's going to be a good player. On and on we go. Like I, I just like the mix. And some of these young kids that, that, that came in this series, Rafaela and Abreu, like they look good. So... Yeah, I, I I'm a little I'm not shocked, but I'm a little bit surprised. And it just but yeah, Brian Cashman is just completely safe. It, it it again, it is a bit mind-boggling, but that's just the way it is. Where Cashman has this job for life, and yet Heim Bloom, who's had look, they made the LCS in 2021, and I feel like he's kind of in some ways weirdly doing the best he can. You know, has their pitching kind of fallen short? Yeah, but I don't know. It, like, like I feel like the blame shouldn't go on him. I feel like that was ownership you know, truly, you know, putting him in a tough spot. But, you know, that was a, a big, you know, new breaking news that happened during the series for the Red Sox. But let's let's go into it for, for the Yanks. Again, a, a very odd series in the fact that you had two doubleheaders. You know, it was, it was, you know, Clark Schmidt ended up, he was originally supposed to pitch the Monday game one. He ends up pitching the, the fourth game of the series Thursday night. And I think the reason for that is they want to try to limit Clark Schmidt's innings as much as they can, but it does seem like he's going to, look, knock on wood, literally, um, I think that Clark Schmidt, he might go from pitch, like he might be able to pitch the whole season. I, I shouldn't have put that out there. Watch something bad's going to happen, but that is, I'll, I'll frame it differently. That is their plan. Like their plan is he, look, he started the second game of the season for San Francisco. And has been in the rotation the whole time. So give Schmidt credit there. You saw Michael King. And I like what he could bring to the table. He needs to become more efficient as a starter. That That's one thing that I think he needs to work on. Where he's not getting deep into games. Like it's hard to get him into the sixth. He wasn't even able to get out of the fifth. But he pitched well. The strikeouts are there. He has great stuff. But he might need to kind of, again, attack a little bit more. With, at the risk of getting hit, but I think it'll get him deeper into games. But, I, you know, that was probably one of the biggest positives, again, as far as Michael King going to the rotation. Carlos Rodon was a positive, too, I got to say. As frustrated as I am with him and as much as I'm still skeptical with him being a two-pitch pitcher, Rodon, after, you know, struggles to start in his outing uh, in Game 2, he, you know, turned it around and got a ton of strikeouts, and, like, there was... Positive stuff there. Again, the bar is set kind of low at Rodon right now. And, yeah, you know, you had the Vasquez-Brito combination do a good job, as they've basically done all year. You know, you take a couple of really ugly, ugly outings from Brito, and both of those guys have really done a nice job and give you hope as far as maybe they can be, like, true contributors next season. This series had been very low scoring for the first three games until an offensive explosion kind of kind of occurs, uh, certainly in the case of the Yankees in game four. But pitching kind of dominated, certainly the first doubleheader. So let's let's talk about this. Um, game one between the Yankees and the Red Sox. Honestly, the first two games were pretty so the, the The doubleheader was very similar. The Red Sox take a lead, looked like they were going to win the game, and the Yankees are able to kind of scratch and claw and are able to win these games. So... You know, I'm not really going to get into the lineup so much because with the doubleheaders, naturally, like, there was a lot of people sitting. The constants that were in the lineup, I think, for all four were, I believe, I believe Judge and Torres. I don't think anyone else started all, you know what? Maybe Florial. 
I, I think Judge Torres and I think Floreal. I, I think we're the only ones that started all four of these games. I'll we'll go through it and I'll, I'll correct myself if need be, but I think that was the case. So, you know, no, we'll 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 go into the play by play. Um, so yeah, this is scoreless for a while. Pitching for the starting for the Yankees was Randy Vasquez, who started out really well. He ran out of gas in the fourth inning, you know, ends up going three and two thirds, but Brito comes in and does a nice job for him. So again, that combination gives you six innings and then they get it to Canely Peralta Holmes, which is kind of like your, you know, it's, it's your trio uh, at this point. Um, you know, it's funny Peralta in no order. I'm not giving this in any order, but Peralta King Holmes for a large part of the first half was that combination when Luizago was out and now that King's. And now that King is in the rotation, Canely's back from injury. Now Canely is kind of part of that trio. But yeah, Holmes has been a consistent in that back end of the bullpen. And Wandy as well, even though he's kind of gone through stretches where he wasn't used. And I guess the same could be said for Holmes. So again, the Vasquez-Brito combination does a good job. But in the bottom of the fourth, the Red Sox get on the board. Rafael Devers just kills the Yankees. It, it, it is ridiculous. This guy, he's one of the best players in the game, but like... I think he has 25 career homers versus the Yanks, and just they can't really get him out. I mean, and I guess there's some re there is some recency bias. I mean, look, like this game that I'm talking about here, he went one for four of the homer. But like the last game, I think he got on base maybe all four times. I mean, it was something crazy. Maybe four or five. He went three for three with at least one walk. Maybe two. Um, so there was a homer to start the fourth off of Vasquez. Then, you know, there's a, a Tristan Casas one-out double. And then a wild pitch by uh, by Randy Vasquez with two out that does score the run. Catching at this point, I believe it was Higgy. So yeah, Higgy and Wells split it. And then tomorrow, I'm sure he'll have Rortfed catch Cole. So Cole, like I alluded to last episode, avoids Fenway. And not only avoids Fenway, but gets to go back to Pittsburgh. I wanted to check to see if he had a pitch at Pittsburgh since he left there. I would imagine he has. I wanted to check that. Maybe I'll run through it when we preview this series. because It's not ringing a bell as far as him as a Yankee, but maybe as an Astro. I mean, it's been a while since he's been a Pirate, so you got to figure. But anyway, going on a tangent. So that wild pitch scores a run and makes it 2-0, and then Brito finishes out the inning. Nick Pavetta, the starter for the Red Sox, was cruising through five. Tons of strikeouts, looking really, really good. And then the sixth, the Yankees get to him. It was the, the one inning where they scored. And Everson Prayer is hit by a pitch leading off the inning. You don't want to do that if you're, if you're the opposition. It's been a rough, rough go for Everson Pereira. And I want to give him as much time as possible. But I'm just saying, Pereira, like, not, I'm not optimistic about his future. Look, you only have so many chances. And I think he'll get a lot of run here. But yeah, Pereira, I, I'm just, it's not fair to compare. Like, is Waldo last year gets called up. And like, Made some nice contributions. And I know, like, they're different players in a lot of ways. They really are. I think I think Pereira, in some ways, if Pereira could put it together, probably has a higher upside than Oswaldo. But I, my, my point being is that, like, Pereira, I just... He just doesn't look good. A lot of strikeouts. He's yet to hit a homer. Um, yeah, just don't... I don't know. I'm just not loving what I'm seeing from him, but whatever. Uh, Higashioka, single. So Higgy, you know, has in, been hitting the ball pretty well. It's a three a game for Higgy. He goes three for four. You know, keep in mind, this is coming off him getting that walk-off double versus the Brewers in the last game. So Higgy, you know, the batting average is kind of like the, the mid-230s, which is a lot higher than normal. Like, and Higgy got off to a slow start. So again, 
someone whose future is definitely very much in question. He, uh, you know, he's been hitting the ball pretty well. And honestly, uh, Austin Wells, who I want to give him, look, I want to have more patience with him than Pereira. But look, Austin Wells, while some, yeah, bat quality at times isn't terrible, um, I'd, I'd rather Wells play more than Higgy, but I'll say this, offensively, Higgy's been better than Wells. It just, it's a somewhat of a pointless thing for me to say, but it is the case. Um, but you're not in the business of trying to win games right now. You're in the business of trying to develop. So Higgy gets a single, makes it 2 nothing, And then the, uh, one of the two big hits in this game, DJ LeMahieu with an RBI double. And let's circle back on this RBI double because it was a very similar one happens in game four. So DJ LeMahieu, who, and there's been some struggles for DJ lately, as I kind of said in the last episode. But RBI double here makes it 2-1. Then after a judge flyout, which does not advance the runners, it was second and third, no out. Glaber Torres, who's just been so consistent offensively, gets a two-run single to the opposite field off of Pavetta, gives the Yanks a 3-2 lead. And again, they were doing nothing going into that inning. Pavetta uh, would be replaced in this inning. Um, you have Brito finishing the sixth. Let's move to the bottom of the seventh. Tommy Canley comes in, and Tommy is looking pretty good again. Tommy Canley uh, pitched a couple games in this series and, and looked pretty sharp. Uh, pitches a one, two, three, seventh inning. In the eighth, Wandy Peralta comes on, gives up a two-out single to Casas, but gets a, gets a couple of strikeouts as well. And then the bottom ninth is when it gets very interesting. Clay Holmes, who we know has had problems at Fenway Park before, uh, is able to somehow get out of it. So Abreu grounds out to start the inning. And, and, and keep in mind, that was a 3-1 count. Like, if I'm him, it was a strike, but I would consider taking that. Anyway, then Rafaela walks, Valdez walks, and then Reese McGuire walks. I mean, think about the guys. Like, this is bottom of the order, guys. So it leads you to Alex Verdugo, who time and time again has come through versus Clay Holmes. I think he might have been three for five with, like, maybe two or three walks, like, he really can't get him out, and he's come through in some pretty big spots, but here, in a situation the Yankees don't really, really need it, Verdugo's first pitch swinging, which is kind of bold, considering that Holmes could not find the strike zone, it is a 4-6-3 double play to end it, and a pretty nice play by Glaber, a risky play by Glaber, the way he fielded that, it he could have easily sort of let it go through him, and then it's the game over, the Yankees lose, but he makes the play, to Volpe, who throws it to LeMahieu, and somehow Holmes gets out of it, and the Yankees win the ball game, 3-2. Yeah, that, that was a very interesting ending to that game. So now, let's go to game two of the first doubleheader. And that was a matchup between Carlos Rodon, and on the mound for the Red Sox was Carter Crawford. And Crawford pitched pretty well, didn't get them deep, you know, didn't go deep, but pitched pretty well. And then Rodon, an ugly first inning, but ends up, you know, the walks were too high. Four walks in five innings is way too much, but nine strikeouts. So, you know, something to build off of from, from Rodon, but again, like his next start is going to be versus the... Is it versus the Pirates? It might be versus the Pirates anyway. I was going to say, if it's versus, the, I mean, he could, he could fuck up against the Pirates, but like I was going to say, against the Blue Jays, like all those righties, like my point was, you know, at Yankee Stadium, that could have gotten ugly. But again, I think we'll, we'll, we'll preview it. I think he's pitching the Pirates series, but watch, you know, my po point being with Rodon is he's been very inconsistent, but again, hopefully he can kind of build off this one. So we go, let's start at the top of the first Yankees get bases loaded, no out and Austin Wells is uh, stri strikes out looking again for Austin Wells. 
you know, who is still looking for that first home run. I think with him, I definitely want to be more patient with him than, let's say, Pereira. Wells has been in the system for a while. Like, he is a catcher, which is a very important position. And, and, and I'm very curious to see what is the catching situation going to be going to be next year. I'm very curious to see that. Anyway, bases loaded, no out. They don't score because Wells strikes out, then kind of fluff a double play. Then Rafaela hits his first major league home run, and I was very impressed by him. He looked really good for the Red Sox off of Rodon. And so Rodon's given up, like, as many home runs this year or, like, one more in, like, way, way less innings last year. It's, like, a crazy stat. And then Rob Ref signed up the former Yankee doubles, then Justin Turner walks, but then from there, you know, and then there were some, you know, bumps along the road walk-wise, but Rodon strikes out the side, Casas Duvall and Story. So it looked like the game was going to get go out of hand, and it wasn't. Then let's go to, let's let's go deeper here into the fifth. Fifth, it's a two-out rally. Everson Pereira walks. So again, Pereira kind of starts the rally. And again, you don't want to walk Everson Pereira. If you can avoid it. So two outs, he walks, then still second, which was key. Give him credit. And then Esteban Florel with a big RBI single to tie it up at one in the fifth inning. So big in the term, the grand, I mean, not in the grand scheme, but as far as this game is concerned, makes it 1-1. And that was all for Carter Crawford. He was one out away from being in line for the win. Instead, he leaves the game and he would end up with a no decision. So Rodon was actually the one that had a chance to win it. And because the Yankees took the lead in the sixth, he would. So you get base sort of no out and give Austin Wells some credit because he gets a single off the green monster in the middle of this rally. And then Jake Barris gets a very lucky RBI. I, I, I can't begin to tell you how bad Jake, ba Jake Barris, I think, had a lucky hit earlier in this game. He is awful, 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 awful. And I don't want to see him get any at bats, but yet he somehow does. He's like two for S37 with like 21 strikeouts or something. It is straight up. It might be worse than that now. It might be two for 38. Anyway, Jake Barris gets an RBI ground out to give the Yankees the lead. And then Oswald Peraza lines out to third. And Conor Falef is doubled off. So it's 2-1 Yanks at this point. Then, then it's just a crazy combination to finish it out. Zach McAllister comes in. Then it would be Anthony Mishevitz who got that win against the Brewers, the lefty. Matt Bowman, who, you know, he was making his first major league outing since 2019, McAllister 2018. Then Nick Ramirez gets the save. I mean, talk about an unlikely crew at Fenway, no less. Anyway, um, McAllister comes in in the sixth and makes a nice fielding play on a Trevor Story uh, bunt, I think it was. Um, or, or, or at least it was like a, he was either an actual bunt or just a, a hard chop, and McAllister made a nice play. McAllister ends up uh, go he goes to scoreless inning. Good for him. Um, really, again, really nice story. Uh, bottom of the seventh, he starts the inning. So it's funny he started the inning tonight as well. So he had a he gets out of his initial inning, and then he gives up a hit in both instances. Uh, in this case, it's a double by Rafaela. So Anthony Mishevitz comes on and does the job. He gets uh, Abreu to ground out, the runner advanced to third, but then he gets Justin Turner to pop out. He does walk Casas, so then he gets Adam Duvall to strike out. So Mishevitz kind of, uh, he was pretty pumped up, gets out of it there. Go to the bottom of the eighth, Matt Bowman comes on, gets into some trouble. There was a single by Story, a wild pitch by Bowman, and then a ground out by Pablo Reyes to kind of Falefa, no advance. Devers pinches for Arias, which was kind of weird in the sense that it was an easy, intentional walk situation. So, I, again, some of Cora's decisions, I'm going to give Cora a lot of credit for what he did 
in the uh, in the next game. But in this game, some head scratching decisions. I know that we're kind of at a point in the season where it's not all that important. And maybe I was, you know what? Maybe I should have been thinking about it from that perspective. Is Connor Wong hit for himself? When at the time you could have a used Devers there, or Verdugo I believe was on the bench for this one, and another another one of their big hitters as well. I think uh, Yoshida as well. But they let Wong hit for himself, and he strikes out. And then Rafaela lines out. So Bowman gets out of there, and the Yankees keep the two on lead. Then in the ninth, Kenley Jansen comes on, and I think uh, he he was, I think he ended up going on the COVID list, possibly. He ends up leaving this game. He wasn't quite right. I wasn't sure what type of ailment it was, but yeah, I think he has COVID. Anyway, uh, as Waldo Cabrera leadoff walk, Everson Pereira single, makes it first and third, then Pereira steals second. So they bring on Nick Robertson. And he almost kind of wiggles out a little bit where Florial strikes out. And then uh, Judge is intentionally walked only for Glaber Torres did an RBI single. That's a risk. When you intentionally walk Judge, you, you have to face Glaber, which is not easy. Uh, and Glaber RBI single. Then uh, Austin Wells reaches on catcher's interference, makes it 4-1. Yankees take a 4-1 lead. They would strike out a couple of times then the inning. Connor for and Bowers. And Nick Ramirez comes on, which is a 1-2-3 ninth inning. Just bizarro world. Uh, none of this shit would have happened if the game meant something, but of course it doesn't, and some of these low-level drives come through. The Yankees win, they sweep them. Um, and so it's weird. The Yankees had three doubleheaders this year at Fenway Park. The Red Sox won the first one, the Yankees won the second one, and then they would split the third one. And that would be what happened today. So today, game three, game one of the doubleheader today, was between Tanner Howe, who... You know, comes back after he was hit by a line drive by Kyle Gashoka a couple months ago, if you remember. And so he recently came back. And how, who has not, you know, again, how can Whitlock, for I think those are the two big ones. Bayo as well, but more like how can Whitlock, maybe mostly how, like, seem to do really well versus the Yankees. But it's not as if their numbers are extraordinary, extraordinary elsewhere, as of, like, now. How can Whitlock have both had success in different years, but, like, this year and maybe even last year, it just feels like they'll do well versus the Yanks even when they don't do well against other teams. But I digress. So, Michael King on the mound does give up a run in the first inning. You get a, uh, you know, and again, the, the Yankee defense has not been quite sharp. I thought in this doubleheader it wasn't very good. Um, I'm not going to get too deep into that, but yeah, it wasn't great. So, you do get a two-head RBI single by Abreu. A nice piece of hitting goes the other way, you know. And again, you know, Cabrera could have made a play earlier in the inning on Devers, but it was hit hard. Long story short, the Red Sox take a one-nothing lead. Yankees were getting a lot of leadoff men on, a lot of chances, but they could not break through against Tanner Houck. I'm going to jump all the way to... Well, let's first go to the bottom of the fifth, where King is replaced um, by... Greg Weiser replaces Michael King, and Weiser did a mostly good job, actually, in this spot. He would eventually get a run, which we'll get to, but Glaber with a leadoff double in the sixth. His second double of the game. Then Austin Wells grounds out. Uh, and, and gets the runner over. So runner on third, one out, Anthony Volpe walks. And that sets the stage for first and third, one out for Jake Bowers. Now, Jake Bowers, it looked like Cora was going to bring in the lefty Bernardino, which then the Yankees were going to bring in DJ LeMayu. But Cora does the right thing. Even though Houck was at a million pitches, not literally a million, but I think close to 100, he leaves Houck in the game. Because you know what? You'd rather face Jake Bowers. But if I'm, um, and they even had DJ LeMayu coming out when they thought Bernardino was coming in. But, then they went back to Bowers once they kept Hauken. It's like, thinking back on it, like, Boone, just bring DJ in regardless. Jake Bowers is horrible. If you are trying to win these games, why not just have LeMayu in there already? You've already taken him out of the dugout. Just do it. But they don't. 
and Bauer stays in and hits a little chop to first base, and they eventually get Glaber out. Some weird base running by Glaber there, but ultimately it, it wouldn't have mattered even if he had great base running. Uh, he wasn't going to score there. Well, he eh, I guess I shouldn't say definitely, but it wasn't a great throw. But either way, Bowers does not come through, and then Peraza grounds out to Hauk. So Hauk gets out of it. I think he threw over 100 pitches. He threw, what was it? 105. And again, I, I, I got to give Cora a lot of credit there, because I feel like Boone in that situation, he got outmanaged by Boone in that situation, and I think that if the tables were turned, Boone would have pulled his starter, even though... You want to keep Bowers in the game because the Yankees had better options on the bench. Anyway, Weister pitches a scoreless six. Garrett Whitlock comes on and pitches a one, two, three, seventh. In the bottom of the seventh, a lucky homer for the Red Sox right off the pesky pole. Uh, I think the fourth shortest homer of the year, it's Rafaela. Homers again. It's off Weister and it makes it 2 nothing. Eight, Yankees go down one, two, three again against Whitlock. And then Matt Bowman comes on. And too bad for Bowman, who had pitched, you know, solidly well the other night. He would be sent into this game. He gets the first two outs. Then Abreu singles on a play that Glaber could have made, but it wouldn't have been easy. Then he walks Duval, and then Trevor Story hits a three-run homer to make it 5-0 Red Sox. And then Chris Martin, not cold play Chris Martin, but Red Sox reliever Chris Martin, former Yankee for a brief time, uh, is able to uh, lock it down. And the Red Sox shut, shut the Yankees out. They win 5-0. And so they avoid what could have been a sweep. We now go to the last game of the series, um, which was played tonight. And it was Clark Schmidt. And it was a bullpen game for the Red Sox, um, which was kind of known all along that it was going to be a bullpen game. Um, yeah, I wouldn't even say there was a necessary bulk guy. It was kind of just a mix and match. But Clark Schmidt struggled. I mean, the defense behind him did not help, I would say. But yeah, not a great outing for Clark. It, it, it's kind of a line. Five and a third, seven hits, four runs, three earned, three walks, three strikeouts. Feels like somewhat of a familiar line that we've seen recently. Maybe, maybe the Tiger game, even though that went differently, where it all kind of fell apart. This is more gradual. And again, the defense did let him... If things did break out differently, Schmidt's line could look a lot different here. But yeah, you know, Clark's been kind of... He's been fine. Again, I, like, like I said, I gave him praise at the, at the top of this episode, saying the fact that he might make it the whole season in the rotation, uh, that, that is something that he should be very proud of. So here... So a little bit more offensive fireworks, if you will, in this one. So the Red Sox get the early lead. You get an RBI ground out by, by Verdugo. Oh, no, it's not an RBI ground out. Verdugo was first and second no out. It, they get the force at second. Volpe should have absolutely held on to the ball. He decides to throw it to first. Schmidt was a little late getting over there, but either way, it wasn't going to work, and it goes by Schmidt, and so the runner scores. Um, so, yeah. Not great fielding. And then with two outs, similar to the first game of this doubleheader, Abreu with an opposite field RBI single with two out, and it gives the Red Sox a 2-0 lead. Then in the second, after Nick Robert Robertson started, they bring in Bernardino, who did not come into the earlier game. The Yankees get a little bit of a rally going. Um, you know, you got bases loaded one out, and Oswald Peraza had a nice game. He had a double and a homer. I'm jumping the gun here, but you know, Peraza could be exciting. Um, you know, he's definitely getting better. But anyway, based on one out, Higgy strikes out. So now it's based on a two out, and LeMahieu is able to beat out an infield single. Originally, this he was called out, but he's able to beat it out. That, that would be big for a couple of reasons. A, it scores a run there, keeps the inning alive, and Aaron Judge is now up at the bases loaded, and he hits a grand slam to dead center field. So Judge, who had really been struggling lately, is, is, is uh, you know, had a really nice game. Got on base four of uh four or five times. So Judge. His betting average is down to 254, which is unlike him. He's normally a lot higher than that. 
But, you know, I'm sure he's battling with the toe and whatever. So Judge Grand Slam gives the Yankees a 5-2 lead. But the Red Sox would battle back to tie it. Uh, they would chip away a bit. And um, in the bottom of the third, Rafael Devers hits his 31st homer of the season. That This is a play where I think Judge could have robbed it just based on sheer height alone. But as well, though, kind of took a while to get back there. And it seemed robbable. Either way, makes it 5-3. Then in the... Let's go to the bottom of the fifth where, you know, again, some sloppy defense gets the better of the Yankees where they get, there are two outs. It is 5-3, and it's ruled the throwing error by Volpe uh, on a Tristan Casas ground ball, but really, LeMay, you should have made the play at first. I'll say that. I, I, this one, I don't think you can blame Volpe as much. Not a great throw, but one which LeMay, should have stopped. And so it scores the run, makes it 5-4. Then in the bottom of the sixth, McAllister comes on and gets the job done and gets out of the inning. Um, you know, the time run had been up at the time, but unfortunately, McAllister starts the seventh and he gives up a single to Raffaella, which is basically what happened. Uh, I hadn't realized that until looking through this. This is what happened a few nights ago. Uh, so Wandy comes on and Wandy was not hit hard, just kind of unlucky. Devers, who he's really good against, bloop single, where it, it falls in between Floreal and Glaber. I wish Floreal kind of got there a little bit quicker, but either way, first and second, no out. Uh, Verdugo beats the rap. Uh, you know, what could have been a double play, similar looking to the double play he had versus Clay Holmes. He beats this one out, though. So now it's first and third, one out, and Tristan Casas gets an RBI grounded. I thought Peraza was going to go home with it, and, and quite frankly, I think he kind of should have. But he doesn't go home with it. He goes to first, and the run scores and make it 5-5, and then Wandy gets Yoshida to ground out. So kind of unlucky. McAllister leadoff single kind of comes back to bite. Then in the eighth, they bring on Mauricio Luvira. Uh, hope I'm pronouncing that right. I might not be. Um, so Volpe leadoff single. Um, and then as Waldo gets a single as well with one out. And then it sets the stage, first and second two out for DJ LeMayu, and similar to his RBI double from game one in the series, he does it here to give the Yankees the lead 6-5. RBI double LeMayu, uh, the Yankees would not score again that inning, although they came close. Then at the bottom of the eighth, Tommy Canely comes on, and for what would be a two-inning save, Canely looked really, really good. As he ends up going six, no, not six up, six down, there was a Devers walk in the ninth, but Canely... Uh, I'm jumping ahead there. They said that Clay Holmes was feeling under the weather. So Clay Holmes, who has not had much success with Fenway, apparently he was feeling sick. And maybe it's going around with, you know, maybe the closers, right? Kenley Jansen and Clay Holmes. Um, but yeah, Kenley really uh, has looked a lot better lately after you know, a rough stretch there. So, um, yeah, Kenley pitches a good eighth inning. And then in the ninth, the Yankees do score more. John Schreiber is in in the ninth inning. Uh, Esteban Floreal is hit by a pitch with one out. And then with two out, Oswald Peraza hits his first homer of the season. Took a while. He was, of course, in Scranton for a long time. But Peraza, a no-doubter, two-run homer, a nice game for him. And he's been better. He's been pretty good lately. And, and one of the guys that maybe you can get excited about for the, the last few weeks of the season makes it 8-5 Yanks. And like I said, Canely shuts it down in the ninth inning. He goes two innings, allows no hits, one walk, and four strikeouts. So for Canely, looking pretty uh, pretty dominant lately, which is good to see. Yankees win it, uh, the series 3-4. of four. Uh, And they are now 74-73, and 73, as are the Red Sox. So I'm not going to uh, – let's preview the Pittsburgh series. I'm not going to check to see – whether it's Cole's first start back. My guess is that it is, but, you know, because we haven't, like, heard talk of that. At least I haven't, but uh, I will certainly give you a definite answer next episode. And please, like and subscribe. Um, we will be talking a lot of Yankees into the offseason, New York Giants, New York Rangers, all that good stuff. So...
It'll be Garrett Cole for the Yanks, you know, looking to improve upon what is looking like a potential Cy Young season for him against Johan Oviedo for the Pittsburgh Pirates, um, who, um, you know, is having, you know, a decent season. Nothing, and the numbers are not great, but they're okay. Um, then game two, again, the Yankees don't have a listed starter. Maybe it's Luke Weaver, or maybe it is Brito Vasquez. We'll see what they do there. Um, and then game three, it'll be Carlos Rodon. So Rodon will take the bump for the third game as the Yankees will finish off this seven-game road trip, which just saw them take three of four at Fenway Park against the Boston Red Sox.